Is your customer service helping your business? When the quality of your customer service is high, you'll keep more clients and they will sell your services better than you even can. In this episode, we'll show you how quality assurance is the ultimate key to scaling your business with three simple tips you can implement today. Welcome back to Bootstrappers, the podcast that helps entrepreneurs scale their businesses fast with the power of remote teams. I'm Gwen Aspen with my business partner and spouse, Jeremy Aspen, and at Anaquim, we've helped hundreds of companies grow with remote professionals. What separates an amazing company from a mediocre company? It's customer service, 100% across the board. And the true key to a good customer service experience, in my opinion, is a quality assurance department or somebody who's doing quality assurance tasks. Would you agree, Jeremy? Yep. When I was in college, we called it total quality improvement. But there's been a whole bunch of things that have come up since then, but the idea stays the same. That once you have established your service or your product, then you have an environment, you have a culture that makes sure that when something is identified that can be better or that broke, that it is that resources are dedicated towards it and that it is maintained into the future. And the way to maintain that is by having a quality assurance process. And having a quality assurance process means you have to have the discipline to be able to you know, take the time, especially as a young entrepreneur, to get in there and make sure that you have standards and that you have a mechanism to identify whether or not those standards were met. And if they were not met, then to come around, talk to the client, or it can be employees, and find out what happened or what the, what what can be done to make things better. So that's, that's like the theoretical approach. But in this episode, we're going to talk about how it actually worked in our small businesses and how our businesses, as they've grown, have incorporated this into the fabric of the culture of the business. Because it's really great to be like, yeah, I should have a quality assurance department or I should have a person doing this. It's a whole other thing to do it or do it well. In our company at Wistar Group, we did have some quality issues. We knew we had some quality issues. But, you know, like any company that's coming around, we're also all very busy. Um, my turns out my wife was available to work. And we had to find a way to make sure that she could get in to the company, serve an important role, and, and affect change. Uh, having not been working at the company for years, it, the quality assurance seemed like the right way to go about it because it instantly got her involved in the minutia and gave her the authority to make changes. So she ended up being in charge of the anti-jackassery group. That was my my unofficial role was anti-jackassery. And so what I did initially is real really to understand the heartbeat of any business, managing and reviewing the communications between, in this case, because it was a property management company, owners and our team, tenants and our team, vendors and our team gave me a pulse on how we were doing. And there were a lot of problems. I would say that Wistar actually had a lot of things going for it, did have processes and procedures. Yeah. They may have been a little bit messy, but they did exist. And so I just remember, here's one moment where the importance of a quality assurance person really made a difference at Wistar Group. We had... A, a true procedure, and it was written out, and it was official. And or it whatever. worked in almost every instance. And so we had a 
gas leak policy where if someone said, hey, the gas is leaking, then the person on the phone would give them the number to the um, gas company and they would call and get it all figured out. But I was call monitoring, listening to the heartbeat of the business, and I heard someone who was clearly mentally handicapped was on the phone saying that they smelled gas and our person gave them the number, which was part of the policy. And I was horrified because I'm like, oh my God, this person's definitely not going to call. So then I called the person. I'm like, hey, did you end up calling the gas company? Because it was a little bit delayed after I had heard the call. And they said they had not done it. And so we changed our policy from that point forward that our people would three-way call with that person on the line to the gas company to make sure it got called. A positive handoff. A positive handoff. And so... The, these small things that I was able to do, uh, first, if they weren't utilizing the policies or procedures in any way, we could identify that and we could say, hey, this is how it's written. You're not doing anything close to how it's written. And those things would be like instances where they were like, like the tenant was rude and then they'd be rude back. And I'm like, listen, you can't do that. You can't be rude to them just because they're rude to you. Um, or... There was an instance where we were trying to get people to have a short amount of call handling time. So we had a KPI on that. And I found out through call monitoring that he was literally just hanging up on people so he could win on the call handling time metric. Yeah, the average is like two two minutes and 30 seconds or something. So he made up some number like at seven minutes, even if he's in the middle of a sentence, he hung up. He hung up, and I only figured minutes. that out because of the call monitoring. It happened, to, it happened like regularly, and then he would just wait for him to call back, and someone else could. It was the dumbest damn thing. Well, but it made sense. It actually mm-hmm. wasn't dumb. He was managing his metrics. Yeah, he just wasn't he was. managing the customer customer's service. experience. Yeah. Um, and so through this process, also I've heard of customers that we've worked with who through the way that their procedures or the way that they've designed their system, it incentivizes like a really sleazy sales uh, approach because of how your metrics drive behavior. But you really can't see how your policies or procedures affect the actual end result until you do this call monitoring and really figure it out for yourself. So listen, listening to the calls, figuring out what's wrong, writing new procedures when those needed to be done, figuring out who your low performers are at either training them up or getting rid of them. But it all comes down to quality assurance. And doing it early means that you won't lose customers because of bad experiences and a burden Bird in the hand is better than bird in the bush. Way better. And if you have happy customers, then they are going to brag about your services and they're going to sell for you. And then you don't have the churn, which is the killer of any small business. Now, but so if you are going, you have to have a quality assurance uh, process you do. So when you're doing this, just learn from um, our, our uh, experience, you have to have a minimum number of, for instance, in this case, calls that were that were listened to. Now, if you have a ticketing system, good for you. That's the better way of doing it. But you have to set it up so that somebody in your company or some combination of people in your company have a minimum of about, it really needs to be about five calls per day. Because 
in order to get averages and stuff like that, you have to have a certain, you have to meet a certain threshold for, for quantity. So that you, the more you can do, the better, of course, because those opportunities also become training opportunities, but you have to have something in place to get those knocked out every single day. Make sure your employees know that, that you're doing it because it also helps them understand that this is that their job is important. And we found that as a small business, sometimes we were better at quality assurance than others. And as soon as we dropped the ball on listening to calls and giving them feedback, quality went down. Yeah. As soon as we upped the game again because things changed, quality went up. So a lot of small businesses try to be sophisticated by just using NPS scores, like net promoter scores, which is how likely your customers are to recommend you to someone else or like through five questions that have been, I don't know, was that a book like yeah, 20 it's years all ago? The rage, all Who the knows? rage. Who knows? It's so what? all the rage that it's just irritating. It's like, and I had mentioned this earlier, it's like, um, what's the, the, when you're at uh, the chicken place, they say, my pleasure. Now, every, I, like I know my everybody pleasure. still likes it, but everybody says, my pleasure, because they read it in Inc. 5000 or they read it or, you know, in Inc. or they read it in Wall Street Journal. It's true. But just like anything, people get used to something. They start to identify that this is part of a scheme. It's not all that authentic and it doesn't work as well. well and that's what I think is happening with the net promoter. And people just aren't filling those out. I, I'm one. I used to do surveys and help businesses that I supported out by filling out their mm -hmm. survey, and I don't do it anymore. It's like tipping. You know, they added the tip <laughs> yeah. uh, amount onto the screen, and <sighs> tips went way up, but now tips are going down because people are just sick of it. So net promoter scores are the same thing. And I also think it's kind of a cop-out of doing the work of call monitoring because you know when you listen to a call whether that customer was served or not. You really don't need a survey if you're doing call monitoring. You really don't. You know if this customer liked the call. You can tell in the tone. You can tell if, they're, if things were answered. There's so much that you can tell by listening. So you don't actually need to bug your customers. Now, I think we did have success in our quality assurance on one number. Just one question. And it was like with maintenance calls, uh, on well, a, on, not with maintenance calls, but with maintenance service issues, we would call afterwards. Yeah, after the maintenance, after the maintenance work was done, um, we would ask them one question on a scale of one to five. How was your experience? Boom. If it was three, two, or one, it in, it initiated a call to that person from the quality department to find out what it is that made it so that it was you know average or less than average, and then that gave an opportunity for us to make any correction, and then. When that's done, you ask again what, on a scale of one to five, the their experience was. Now, if you get a four or five, you've been able to successfully change the experience of the, the caller, of the tenant. So doing it at the front end and then doing it at the back end is a really big psychological kind of enhancement that'll help make sure that not only are they actually happier, but they remember the experience in a positive light. Uh, and, and just having one number makes it so one much better. One number. Just all you really need to know. simple. How was it? And, and that's then, not too much for anybody to ask. And I would also say it's much easier to get an answer if you call because the emails, people. Well, texting wor might work now. And too. texting might work too. Yeah. The, the other thing is have that impact how your people are 
uh, monitored. So we do this, we take thousands of calls for company, property management companies. Um, we do 24 hour call center for, for these folks. And, um, our callers, they get call monitored and they get feedback forms. And if it's less than a four, it's a one out of five metric. And if they get too many threes, I think it's two threes in a row, then they get micromanaged. So then they have a lot more calls listened to. So it puts them in a different category and no one likes being micromanaged. So there's like a, a incentive for them to get good quality you know, do good quality calls all the time because no one wants to get into that micromanaged category. And the same thing can happen with your maintenance people, you know, or if you use vendors and you're trying to kind of keep your vendors happy and have like premier vendors and secondary vendors, if you do this feedback on how the, the tenants liked the vendors, then you can use that to kind of negotiate uh, you know, contracts, negotiate how many or or help calls decide who you're going to dispatch. Mm -hmm. So if you have a vendor who gets a higher score, it makes a lot of sense to give them more business. But over the course of time, be sure that you're identifying that their trend is going down and that maybe it's going up for another vendor and switch your primary vendor based on the quality information that you're getting from your uh from your from your your quality assurance team. And the biggest time saving thing and I think the the main takeaway now as we're talking through how this works is the fewer problems you have like you get so much more time back at your business because identifying like working with people who are crazy mad at you dealing with tenants who think you're the worst property management company ever all these things just stress out your your employees, burn people out, make working at your company just hell. And so there's a compounding effect for really nipping negative behavior of your employees and negative experiences of your clients in the bud. And it causes this like transformational impact on your business. Another way to do it um, is to just have a problem log. And I've talked about this before, but I'm just so obsessed with it. A problem log where people can log problems that happen, have, happen at the business. They don't have to solve it. They just have to identify it. And then you have somebody look into all those problems. Um, it's like a re generates a report weekly or whatever cadence you want. And you do a root cause analysis of what the problem, what caused that problem. And then you fix it either through fixing the procedure, the policy, the maybe you need to retrain folks. Maybe there's an employee issue. Whatever the thing is, you get to the bottom of it and you fix it. And, it makes a huge difference. And there's, there's actually this kind of interesting thing. We have about 300,000 units in our emergency call center. So those are rental units for anybody that doesn't know our history for emergency calls. And one thing that we're able to identify with the, the an emergency call center is the quality of our employee, uh, I'm sorry, the quality of our clients, in this case, mostly maintenance uh, product, because it's easier, and this is something I'm telling you because uh, whether it's property management or not, whatever industry you're in, there's something that you can check. If you're doing stuff more than once, like it's a second call from a tenant or it's a third call to a vendor. Anytime you see that duplicity, that you probably have an, uh, an opportunity to identify some friction that you can kind of rub out with some, some 
in some change to the quality uh, to, to the service itself. So we've been able to see, like, say, like on these buildings, your maintenance person is literally not doing their job. We've been called four times for this AC unit. I have a feeling you've been told that it's been fixed. It hasn't been fixed. And so, so because of our internal quality controls that we have at the call center, we've been able to impact businesses with their boots on the ground and make sure that they have the right people in place for their business. And so it's basically just us doing the quality assurance for them, but it's really rewarding to see how quality assurance helps internally, but it's even more rewarding to see how our quality assurance measures can support our clients be more strategic and better in their businesses. But it's just across the board, if you have a real emphasis on quality, the impact on your business at large, the impact on your customer service, and the impact of that customer service creating raving fans, it just accelerates your business more than you could ever know. To have the expectations for a quality service means then that you can ask for a premium for premium pricing. And the only way you can get any of that done is by making sure that you have a quality assurance procedure inside of your company. The other thing it does that we've done recently is just been pickier with our clients. So yeah. we just have a higher threshold. Like we're just not going to tolerate clients that don't meet. The jackassery, dipshittery, or just ignorance <laughs> to some extent. I mean, sometimes you just, they just don't know yet. They're not quite there. And, and, and if they're not tradable, it's not a fit. But it's fun to kind of have, because you know your service is amazing, to kind of pick the customers that you want to work with because life's too short. So anyway, um, at the end of the day, the key to great customer service is quality assurance. Do it sooner that rather than later. You'll never regret it. If you want to create the ultimate customer experience, download our free checklist now. The link is in the show notes.